You know, I think we, we live in a world where we are so hustling and bustling over the festive times. Um, we made the mistake as a family to go to the mall yesterday just to see if we can get some Christmas shopping done, you know. And it was crazy the amount of people we saw going in shops, the queues, you know, um, different types of music playing. You know, I grew up with Boney M. I don't know if you, anybody knows who Boney M is, that CD or tape deck back in the day. But I see now we've evolved as in Christmas time where we play Michael Bublé on Spotify, you know, as Christmas music. But I, I always wonder, when we look at this little video over here, that we are so well in planning Christmas already. Some of you have a, a, a superbulist or a take a account, and during the year, you are going a year ahead. You're putting everything on your wish list already for the year. And when the Christmas season comes, or you, you, you get bonus or 13 check or whatever, then you have already planned who gets what present. Am I right? Is there anybody who does that? Anybody? Just raise your hands. Don't be shy. We still love you. We'll pray for you afterwards. But it, came, it made me think that, you know, I think sometimes we miss the point. And I love that we can do in this series the, the, the Grinch, in a sense, that stole Christmas. You know, I'm the Grinch in our family. I will not put up a Christmas tree. That's my wife and children's thing. They're wrapping the presents. I just want to show up and eat. That's all I do. But I love that we can go into the series because I think we sometimes miss the intensity of the Christmas story. Yes, there's an intensity to it. And I love that Ryan spoke about persecution last week and how we as Christians are getting persecuted. And I'm glad I'm not the only pastor, um, like Ryan said last week. I, I'm so glad we have the same gift, me and Ryan. We can do the same miracles. Because when we go to the braai and people don't know us and they start asking us, hey, what do you do for a living? You go like, hmm, I am a pastor at New Life Church. And then, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. But you know, me and Ryan... We can take any whiskey and make it Coke Zero like that. You know, I want to talk about family. Christmas is all about family time, spending time with family. But we all have that awkward family member. Have you noticed that uncle that's loud? That's me in the family. I'm the loud one. I'm the one that's always screaming and shouting and overly, um, um, overly happy for the presents when the kids open it up. And when my children take too long to open up their presents, I wrap it. There's your present. Merry Christmas. We have this, this weird auntie, you know, that she has these uh, toy, you know, this, this little, um, what do you call it? Knitting the toilet things. You know what I'm saying? Those seats, the doilies. Is that the right word? You have that. Grandma always comes and gives you doilies for Christmas. We, we have these aunties at Christmas time that, you know, every year you're going to get a clicks hamper with cream and deodorant and a little washcloth. Am I right? We have this grandpa and grandma who doesn't eat meat. And now the, the, the older I get and the bigger the family gets, now we have vegetarians. We have people who drink coconut milk. Is that even a thing? I don't know that. And so forth. But I've also noticed that this is the season where families are more torn apart, more torn apart than ever. You know, just looking at this year, I was seeing how the devil is attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking. It, it started a, a, a year or two ago with men, where men are trash, and the Me Too campaign started. And yes, it's all for the right reasons, but it came to a point where men lost their masculinity. They don't know how to be a man anymore, so much so that when you go on a date and you open up the car door for a lady, the lady shouts at you, I'm independent, I'll open up my own door. 
And then when, when you don't open up the door, she says, you're not romantic enough. Why are you not opening the door? Chivalry is dead, you know, type of scenario. It shifted over to the women, where men are started to competing in women events, biological men. And I spoke about that a few couple of, a couple of months ago, where men are competing as women and breaking women records like it's nobody's business. And now we don't even know what a woman is in the world. I, I mean, it is insane. You ask a question, what is a woman? And you get canceled. And this is being filmed online, so probably I'm going to get canceled because the world doesn't know what a woman is. I can tell you, but this is a PG-rated service. And then we've missed all of that. We've looked at all of our attention on that, but the devil come and he tried to steal our families. And that's what I want to talk about today, the Grinch or the family strife that stole Christmas. Now, there's a story in the Bible where, we could, where family strife could have happened so quickly, so easily, and railroaded the whole Christianity path that we are walking on currently. Now, strife means to be angry or in a disagreement over fundamental issues. And we can see in this story, the Christmas story, we see how quickly this can escalate to great proportions. But the way we read the Christmas story is like Mary, Joseph, manger, baby, angels, sheep. Ta-da! But if we go to the story a little bit more in depth, we will see there's a lot of challenges. And these challenges can give us some life lessons on family strife. In Luke 1, verse 26 to 30, it starts like this. In the sixth month, sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged. I want you to remember these two words. A virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting is this. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now Gabriel comes and he tells her, Hey, what, Mary? Guess what? You're going to become pregnant. You're going to have a baby. All right? And he tells her this, but then in Luke 1, verse 34 to 35, Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not been intimate with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Now, I want to stop there because we think it's easy peasy lemon squeezy. Joseph accepted her. But can you imagine today if your daughter comes to you and say, you know what? I'm pregnant. And now you have that first gasp of air. And moms are looking at their daughters now. I don't know why. But you have this first gasp of air. You're like, oh, you're pregnant. Oh, I didn't raise you like this. And then, they, then when the, everybody calms down, they ask you, by whom? And you say, you will not believe me, but the Holy Spirit. What would you tell your children? They're mad. They're insane. Just be honest with us, honey. Be honest. We can take it. And this is how family strife could have started for Mary. Because you need to remember, she wasn't only engaged the way we do it. You know, when we get engaged, we, we get the ring. We go to the beach or to the mountains. We have a photographer hiding in the bushes. The man gets on his knee. I don't know what knee anymore. I've been married too long. And then, and then, and then they get uh, engaged. And you know what's the first thing that happens? They put it on Facebook, engaged to Louis Marais, my wife, of course. All right. So that's, that's how we see betrothed. But betrothed in the Jew, a Jewish system was a legal binding document, paperwork, 
as, as, it is as good as that you are married. Now you need to understand Mary now. She has to tell the community because the Jewish community was a very tight-knit community. Saying, you know what? I'm pregnant. I, I'm not married yet. And it's the Holy Spirit. And you need to know the Holy Spirit wasn't as, a, as readily here like it is with us every day. It came in certain instances, circum, uh, cer- certain circumstances. What would you do? Now, I can think of Mary's mind. She was going, I'm going to tell my parents. I'm going to tell Joseph. Because it was a huge cultural thing and a huge social thing for falling pregnant before marriage. And it's not even your husband. Can you imagine that already? The strife that could have happened in that situation. The strife where Mary goes to Joseph and saying, Hey, I saw an angel. I don't know what an angel really looks like, Joseph, yet. I saw an angel. I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand that it's not like she could just go and we'll figure this out. This, this betrothal, this caduceus was a, a document and a, a, to break it was a huge stigma in that family. So Mary's pregnancy during this betrothal period could have been a violation of the social and the religious norms. What is the social norm in our world today? How does the social norm for marriage look? How does the social norm for lifestyle look? Goodness gracious me, we cannot even say he, she anymore. We have to say they, their, our, her, Donkey Kong, I don't know. We, are, we cannot even identify the way God has made us because we will get stigmatized. You cannot say certain things online because you will get canceled. Now, I want you to think Mary was thinking exactly the same thing. How is she going to handle this? How is she going to speak about this? Because adultery was a really severe social ostration. You were taken out. You were like, you're not part of the community. And then this is what Mary does. Luke 1 verse 38. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. Now you think, okay, cool, everything is going well. Because we just saw in the video the story of Jesus. But Joseph didn't accept it. Joseph wasn't fine with it in the beginning. Joseph couldn't understand what she's trying to say. And it got so intense. It got so insane that at the stage where Joseph said, well, I'm going to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph in the Bible was a righteous man, meaning he followed the norms and the culture of the religious organizations, the Jewish, at that time. But he was also a kind man when he said he's not going to make a publicity stunt of it. He's not going to put it on Facebook and say, hey, it's complicated. He was not going to do that. But he said, you know what? I'm not accepting this. In Matthew 1, verse 18 to 19, we see the birth, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Can you imagine the strife? Can you imagine in your family when something like this should happen? Can you imagine how everybody's blaming everybody? Because this is what we do. When we get defensive, we try to say we are right and you are wrong. When there's certain issues that is happening, we try to handle those situations ourselves by defending ourselves. And I think at the end of the day, we need to understand that, hey, strife is going to come our way. Strife is going to be an issue. We are going to struggle with this. But there's a way of handling this. And this is what happened. It got so intense that 
God appeared to Joseph. He says this in Matthew 1, verse 20 to 25. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived by her is, uh, is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the, by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which translated God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. Here is the kicker. When God spoke, Joseph listened. When God spoke, Joseph didn't even think twice what was going to happen to them in the culture, what was going to happen on social media of that time. Social media was word of mouth by that time. Joseph didn't care what everybody else was going to think. He wanted to be right standing with God. So instead of family strife, he swallowed his pride as a man and he married it. And he didn't even consummate the marriage until Jesus was born. Yeah, Joseph, a religious, righteous man, went against two uh, crucial laws of the Jewish culture because he listened to God. He went, through the, he went against religious norms to say, hey, I'm going to marry her anyway. Is that a song, by the way? And the second thing is he's going to say, I'm not going to consummate this marriage also at this moment. Now, can you understand the grave implications of that? And I think we can learn from this story today. We can learn from Joseph and Mary. We can learn on how they could have, well, how they handled strife before it even happens. But the difference for us is our strife comes afterwards. So I want to do two things today. I want to show you, according to the verses, how we can do it and how we can stop strife. But also, if we have strife, how to change that. How does this play out in our life? How does it play out? In our scenario, well, I'll share you a story. Most of you know that I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. My relationship with my parents was were so bad that for 12 years we didn't meet over Christmas. Yeah, it's it's like a whole generation almost. For 12 years, if we ever went to my my side of the family's Christmas, my sister would go in the morning and I would go in the afternoon so that we didn't see each other. For 12 years, my kids didn't know their cousins for 12 years my kids <laughs> this is how they found out that they have cousins one year they were in exact they're exactly in exactly the same school one of them is exactly the same grade as my daughter brooklyn and they discovered they had cousins because the one looked like a little bit like me so they found out their family members through the schooling i mean god works in mysterious ways through the schooling system and you know what was keeping me back pride they were wrong, I am right. And because I am self-righteous, and this is how recently, I mean, my daughter is now going grade seven, I'm talking this year, grade six, last year. All right? Um, I don't know where, any year. I was so self-righteous and so full of pride that I said, you know where to find me when you want to talk to me. It came to a point that even, we didn't even WhatsApp happy birthday anymore. And that's how family strife builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up but i've also seen it play out in the church the local church the body of christ i have sat and i've heard how people disagree over an inheritance when somebody passes away 
I have heard, not in New Life Church, thank goodness for that, but I've, I've speak to other pastors and other people and people in counseling that say, my, my, dad ha- my dad's not even buried yet and they're raiding the house for what they want. We've seen people when, where, where they disagree about what is theirs or what is ours, that the family strife would happen, that they wouldn't speak years and months towards each other. We see that happening quite a bit. It causes rifts and there's so many disagreements between family members. It becomes lawyers and it becomes scenarios where if, if they're in the mall, we, we walk the other way and, and we, un, we, we block them on Facebook. We change our numbers. We, we share nothing. I also see where parents oppose a child's choice of what they want to do when they grow up or grow older. Parents, I want to tell you the biggest family strife I've seen is because parents are trying to live out their dreams through their children. You know, when a parent says, I want the best for you, it is not the best for the parent through you. It's the best for him or her. I have seen children, young adults coming my way that says, my dad said I had to become an electrical engineer or a lawyer or a doctor, but your grace just doesn't make the cut. And then the family strife happens because you make your child feel that they're not good enough. And then you wonder why your child doesn't want to talk to you after many years because they're not in the occupation that you have dreamed for them. You know, I grew up in a culture where my dad will drive me to rugby practice, but he wouldn't drive somebody to dance class, a man. Because men don't dance, women dance. Men don't go to cooking school. Men goes to be a fitter and a boilermaker and an engineer. And we, we create this family strife in our children from young to old. But as I want to tell you, if that is you, I want you to graciously understand, do not do that. Because that is the biggest, biggest strife I see in young adults coming for counseling. Because they say two things. I don't measure up to my mom and dad. You love them. I get that. You have a plan and a purpose for them. And you uh, have so much love for them. But sometimes our dreams is not their dreams. I have seen also in, 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 in life that what happens is then you have sibling rivalry. Couldn't you be more like your sister? Couldn't you be more like your brother? You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. You will never change. And we create this rivalry or this competition in our marriages and in our family where we are actually trying to outperform each other. We're trying to look at each other and say, hey, this is how good I am. How are you measuring up? We look at school reports that came out and we put the reports next to each other and we say, where's the other 13%? You thrill. And I'm standing here saying, I'll tell you now where, how I fit into this and how our story fits into this, my families. But this is what we do. So first, we, we, we argue as siblings. We, we try as parents to tell our children what to do. We have a sibling rivalry. And then the last one is financial strain. I see it a lot. I see how money can separate people quickly. I have seen how family are broken up because of financial strife. I have seen marriages going through hard, hard times because of financial strife. Can I tell you what I do with my couples that struggles with this? Husbands, look at your wives. Wives, look at your husbands. I want you to take your pay slip and give it to your wife or to your husband. I want you to show all your income and all your expenditure and you make one Excel sheet of that. How many couples do that? Not a lot. I don't know where the money is going. She's always buying shoes. In my case, he's always buying shoes. But I've seen that it's not the the money, it's the love of money that makes the issue. And if there's nothing, the love falls out of the window and there's family strife. So husbands and wives, here's a great Christmas present. It's for free to you. 
take your budget, take your budget, make it one budget and know where the financial things go. It's an easier conversation now than when the poor boy hits the fan in that sense. That is the four places I saw family strife quite a bit. And this is where the devil is attacking. And I want to give you four tips that's really helped me in our family and me also helping other people going through family strife. Because you need to understand this is the season that we are supposed to be together as family. But we are so separated from each other. And the first thing is we need to talk it out and understand each other. It says this in James 1 verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Can I be real? Can I be honest? And just two people, I'll be honest for you too. Can I be open and honest now? And this is going to hurt a bit because it hurt me. The reason me and my mom and her grandchildren has a relationship is because my father passed away. The reason why we have a relationship now is not me being the better man and going to my mom. The reason was death came knocking and took my dad. And I was forced to go to Armelo with my mom. It's about a two-hour drive with trucks and traffic. And I didn't have a choice. I had to speak to my mom. I had to say my piece. She had to say her piece. She had to see where we can miscommunicate it. And we needed to bury the hatchet. Because we had to go fetch my dad in Armelo. And what has made me grieve to this day, and I really want you to understand this, is that this year I have buried quite a few people. And everybody in those families have always one wish. I wish I fixed it. I wish I spent time. He was quite, even if they were, even if they were not a Christian, even if they did bad things, I wish I could talk to them one more time. We have people this year in December that has one or two less chairs around the Christmas table because somebody passed away. And New Life Church, here's this thing in this, but you and me are too prideful to resolve the issue, we'll keep the uncle out, we'll keep the mom out, we'll keep the dad out of the Christmas family because our pride is in the place. And then what will happen to you that happened to me? My dad had to die to fix this. You know the reason the first time my family is coming around the Christmas tree in 12 years? You know how that happened? It's not because of me. It's because my sister, who I'm not sure where, where, how she's affiliated or if she's even in a church, my sister, Liesl, reached out to me and said, come do Christmas by us. I'm not preaching to you. I'm living this. And I'm thinking, I, as a pastor, cannot stand here and tell you how to live if I don't even fix it myself. So your first step today after this is just to make right with the people, even though you have all the right to be right. To stand up and say, you know what, let's talk it over. Let's start joining this conversation because, guys, death is going to come for us. And I don't want you to do it the same way I did. And the only thing we needed to do was to slow to speak, quick to listen, and understand each other. But because of my pride, because of my attitude, my dad is not here for Christmas and the family is together. Whatever God has put together, let no man separate. Don't wait till death brings you together. Unite now because Jesus is the reason we need to get together. And I want to ask you, like myself, standing here today, swallow your pride and have the relationship. 
You can have, you know, you can be right and have no relationship. Or you can swallow your pride and still have that relationship. The second thing I had to learn is practice empathy in your family. Not sympathy, empathy. We are a very self-minded generation. When you go to McDonald's and they take five minutes too long with your order, you write a bad review. When you miss the delivery app tells you they're going to be there at half past six and they're there 20 to seven, you don't tip the person because they took too long. Everything is about me, me, and me. This is the generation we're living in. I mean, at Netflix, every kid can have their own profile, so they don't have to watch what their parents watch all the time. They can watch their own little shows designed for them. We see this quite often. There's so many choices. We are even now, back in my day in Christmas, we didn't know what we get for Christmas. We're telling our children, what do you want for Christmas? And we're buying them, and then in the 25th, oh, surprise. It's not even a surprise. Philippians 2 verse 4 says, Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also about the interests of others. We live in a world where we care more about the presence than the presence. Can I just say this again? We live in a world where we care more about the presence we're getting than having the presence of God in our household. Where on the 25th of December, we missed the plot completely. We buy presents, we jolly, and that's all good, and that's all family time. But we have a family member that's outcasted. That's not what Jesus wanted. Jesus died for you on the cross. The devil was trying to have family strife with Joseph and Mary, and he couldn't even get that right. But what they did is again went against social norms and social principles. Guys, it's time for you to stand up for what you believe in. And actually, not sit here every Sunday, but actually do something. And I, for 11 years, didn't care, didn't worry, until I got a phone call 3 o'clock in the morning that my dad passed away. I don't want you to live that life. I don't want you to live with that regret because that's something I cannot change. And just to, just to put the cherry on the cake, how God works, how he uppercutted me on my knees, is my sister that we don't even speak, we don't even send WhatsApps to each other. She invites me for Christmas, not the other way around. And I had to look deep introspection of my life as a pastor, as my life as a father, as my life as a husband. And I didn't think I did great in that sense. We need to show empathy. We need to show Take our selfish thoughts and put it one side. What our wants and our wills must become secondary now. We mustn't shout, I want this for Christmas. It's what I can give for Christmas. We must shout, not what, I, what family members I want around the table. What, what members do you want, God? Our role in this world is to be different to the world. Like Joseph, to stand up against the transgressions. To stand up. Against, to stand up against religious acts, to stand up against cultural norms because God has spoken to him. God has spoken to you because when I said that one family member that you don't invite to Christmas, you all had a name in your mind. God so loved us so much, loved the world so much that he sent his son as his ultimate gift and it's our duty to show empathy. It means to put our differences aside for once and for all and to come and to celebrate Jesus Christ and what he did for humanity. People's not always going to agree with you. People's not always going to be the same as you, but we have to put those differences aside because to save humanity, it needs Jesus. And if we don't show love like Jesus do and we ostracize our family out, what's the point of doing Christmas even at all? We need to support each other through difficult times. My third point. It says in Joshua 24 verse 15, but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. 
it means as parents, as children, we need to actually be more protective of what we watch and what we look and what we see. I can tell you now, what you've done is you've put up your Christmas tree, you have your Christmas lunch, gammon, uh, I don't know what you guys do. We don't do turkey, that's American. Chicken, gammon, uh, uh, beef steak, I'm Afrikaans, so hopefully we'll braai a bit. Um, you have everything planned, you have the side dishes planned, you have the fruitcake why I do not know you have fruitcake, it's the worst thing ever, All right, but you take months to prepare that fruitcake and get it moist, you know how the day is going to go, you send out little invites to the Christmas day, you already know the color scheme of the table, the ornaments, the little crackers, oh look you one little piece of pencil, Woo! you have all this planned, but have you planned to tell your family and your children about the story of Jesus in the Bible. Is that in your planning at all? And I think with the silence, we've noticed now how it works. We need to come together and say, hey, we will support each other. You know, we are easily influenceable. You know that. Can I tell you how easily you are influenceable? Black Friday. We don't even do Black Friday in South Africa. It's an American thing. But then one year game decided to do Black Friday at 12 o'clock. And everybody got Cokes instead of 12 rand to 6 rand. There was a go Black Friday. Now it's so much so in South Africa that even your dentist and psychologist and doctor and I don't know who else has a Black Friday special. So when you, when you feel toothache, you wait till Black Friday because instead of 7,000, it is 4,000 now Black Friday special. This is how we conditioned this is how it happens. You see, we easily, easily, easily we go. You, we are such people. I am. I must say you, me, I'm there too. I take a lot. I get a notification if my thing is on special. And the second thing that we're influenceable is Halloween. Halloween is not Christian, guys. Celebrating it is not Christian. Having a party, talking about Halloween is not Christian at all. Dressing up like Eat the Clown and Pennywise and whatever. It's, not, it's, an American, it's a worldly American thing. But somehow it came over to South Africa and we go to festivals and we dance. And we look like, I don't know, um, witches and wizards and I don't know what else. And then we're influenceable. And then we're wondering why our children are different. The point I'm trying to make is you have to have values in your house. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I'm not going to do Halloween. I'm not going to do something that is worldly. I'm going to show love to everybody that I know because God has called us to do that. Love your neighbor. Your children is your neighbors also. Did you not know that? You have to love everybody. But the Christmas, the real reason for Christmas is not the tree. It is not the presents. It is not the bony MCD music playing. It is not the food. It, all that is great, but it's about Jesus' birth. And this year, I want you to make it a little bit different and understand that Joseph and Mary almost didn't come together because family strife could have happened. And we mustn't be righteous, self-righteous. We need to be righteous in Christ. And that means your most unloved family member is at the head of the table at your Christmas table this year. It's easy to say, difficult to do. And if some of you are sending me a WhatsApp now to sit at your table, you're forgiven. <laughs> My last one is keep the faith and hang tight. Guys, it's been a tremendous few years. Our children, Disney Channel is not Disney anymore. Children programs are not children programs anymore. 
Romans 12 verse 12 says, and I want you to please keep this verse on. Romans 12 verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Please keep that up for me. We live in a world where if we allow our children to get everything they want, there will be family strife. We live in a world as parents, if we don't listen to our children and trying to understand what they are saying, there's going to be family strife. If we don't try and bury the hatchet and take the first step as Christians, death might be at your door. Guys, to this day, I, I can't get over myself that I had to lose my dad to understand what Christmas is about. We don't have to walk this road. But it means, guys, just stop being the self-righteous person. Be who you are in Christ and say sorry even though you are right. But as a family, you hang tight. You stand on the beliefs. You stand on the truth. And that truth will set your family free. We must embrace our families and make sure no one is left behind, no matter who they are or where they come from. Our job is to love. The journey of Mary and Joseph tells us on how to handle strife, to communicate openly. Just call a spade a spade. To empathize, empathize with each other, to prioritize our family's unity first in, in, in anything else, and also to have strength in our shared beliefs and values. Each family has unique challenges, and I can understand that. But I can see in jo the story of Joseph and Mary how they even had their own family strife. And I think sometimes we just misread it. And at the end of the day, this is all preventable if we just li uh, listen a little bit more to what Jesus has to say. Pray more with our kids. And before we jump onto the bandwagon of what we're going to eat on the 25th of December is what I'm going to read to my kids on the 25th of December and going onwards. Now, I'm not saying only do it on the 25th of December, but create a habit, create a godly habit. And some of the ungodly habits will dissipate. You know, Paul was saying to the church in Colossians, how I should live how I should act as Christians, how I should walk, how I should talk. And he ends off with this in uh, Colossians 3 verse 14. He says this, above all, he was telling them, be patient, be kind, be generous, be happy. But he says this, above all, put on, uh, read again, put on love. Can I, uh, New Life Church, come on. What do we mean? What does we put on? Love. Thank you very much. Which is the perfect bond of unity. This year, I don't care who's right and who's wrong. This year, I don't care if my sister is better than me or worse than me or lives different to me. This year, I don't care about what, what I was thinking about myself and how right I was to do this. You know what I care about this year? My family's unity. This year, I care about my children and how they get to know their cousins. This year, I see death in a way different light than I normally did. But I also see life differently. And I pray that Jesus will set you free from that bondage of how the enemy is keeping your family apart. And I pray that that bondage will released, be released in Jesus' name. But I want to tell you this. You need to take the first step and go to that person and forgive them and invite them and say you're sorry and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that comes after that. Lord, I thank you for each and every person in this church today. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your plan and purpose for us. I thank you that we can look at family and see that the devil is trying to attack it. But Lord, I thank you that we can look at the story of Mary and Joseph today and know that we can handle family strife through what you, you've called us to do. So Lord, I pray for wisdom for each and every family member today. I pray for love to just come and cover us today. 
I pray for love to pour down today on our families and in our, in our cultures and in our situation today. And whatever the devil has tried to separate, Lord, we come against that in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the story of Mary and Joseph. I thank you that you showed us as men, as like for Joseph, how to be a righteous man in you today, that how we can break cultural norms and trust you. Lord, I thank you for the guts of Mary, saying no matter what comes away, that she will still continue to believe in you, that she was your servant. So Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your guidance for us. Lord, I thank you that we can look at your word and that truth will set us free. So Lord, I come today as a humble servant and I ask for forgiveness where I have gone wrong, where I have made the mistake, where I was self-righteous, where I had pride and I break. And I ask you that you will break those chains off me today and each and every person also sitting here with the same issue. Lord, I thank you that you never give up on us. You never give up on me. You never give up on the way I do things, even though sometimes I think you're like wondering, Louis, what are you doing? Lord, I pray for the same for people here today. I pray that they know that they are loved. I pray that they know that forgiveness is at hand today. And Lord, that you have put us together here to hear this message today. Not only for me to preach it, but also to learn from these mistakes that I've made so that the future generations and people going forward, that they will not make the same mistakes and trust your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.